section fifty two of the inheritance by susan edmonstoun ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter eighteen such deep despondence rends her trembling heart conscious of deeds which honour cannot own euripides although mr lindsay had made all dispatch in dressing yet upon entering the drawing-room he found mrs st clair had got the start of him no appearance of hurry or agitation was now visible unless in her more than usually brilliant colour her dress was handsome and well arranged her air to common observers easy and unembarrassed and altogether she formed a striking contrast to her daughter who sat by her pale thoughtful and dejected with the look of one who had almost unconsciously suffered herself to be dressed as mr lindsay entered he heard mrs st clair say to lord rossville in answer to some remark of his i was indeed caught to-day i foolishly took the alarm at gertrude's absence during that prodigious shower and set out in search of her myself but we missed each other and have now only met by the side of your lordship's charming fire lord rossville loved to be complimented upon his fires which were always constructed after a model of his own and were of course notoriously bad but mrs st clair knew how to throw out a tub to catch a whale her well-timed compliment led to a discussion upon fires stoves and coals which ended in the whole company being speedily involved in the intricacies of one of the earl's own coal-pits from which they were only rescued by a summons to dinner mr delmore had returned bringing a band of his second-rate political allies along with him and the conversation consequently took its cast from them and was as dull as political discussions always are unless when worse than dull violent mrs st clair entered into all that was said con amour and was consequently thought by the greater part of the company to be an uncommon clever charming well-informed ladylike woman lady betty asked some questions as efficient as usual and passed for a very worthy sensible affable old lady miss st clair sat silent and absent and indifferent to what was going on and was pronounced a cold haughty inanimate fine lady such are the judgments daily passed upon as slight a knowledge of that within which passeth show and so superficial a thing is popularity on quitting the dining-room mrs st clair whispered her daughter to follow her to her own apartment and no sooner were they there than shutting the door with violence she seemed as if eager to indemnify herself for the constraint she had been under gertrude cried she all at once giving way to her agitation again you see me in your hands again my fate hangs on your decision again it is yours to save or to destroy me gertrude could not speak her heart sickened at the evil she anticipated 
but i will not go over the same ground i have done i tell you i am at your mercy but i will neither supplicate nor command i leave you free pronounce my doom and do not fear even my reproaches gertrude's senses almost forsook her as the dreadful idea flashed upon her that she was to be required to save her mother's life at the expense of becoming the wife of the dreaded lewiston and sinking at her feet in wild broken accents she besought her to spare her compose yourself gertrude cried mrs st clair suddenly calmed herself at sight of her daughter's still stronger emotion i tell you you have nothing to fear from me i have promised that i will not even seek to influence you all i require of you is to hear the alternative oh no no spare me that dreadful alternative kill me but save me from him and she clung to her mother's knees with convulsive energy gertrude this is madness it rests with yourself to rid me of that man i trust for ever come sit down by me and listen and she seated herself at a writing-table and placed her daughter beside her after a pause during which she seemed to be struggling with her feelings she spoke gertrude i cannot conceal from you that we are both in the power of a villain i have told you and i again repeat it the circumstances which have placed me there i will only disclose with my dying breath if even then how soon that may be depends upon your decision i can no longer conceal from you that he does possess a claim over you nay be still and hear me which he is ready to relinquish if within twenty-four hours i can raise five hundred pounds this i must accomplish or my ruin your wretchedness for life is inevitable gertrude began to breathe at this unexpected relief if he obtains this sum he has pledged himself to quit the kingdom and with worlds if i had them would i purchase his absence but what are those mysterious claims which this man has upon me why not bring them forward openly let them be urged in the face of the world in this land of freedom in my uncle's house what have i to fear as you value your father's memory as you value my peace my life let this transaction be for ever buried in silence if there were a way to escape if it were possible to release ourselves from him can you suppose that i would have suffered what i have done that i would have submitted thus to humble myself to my own child and mrs st clair dropped a few tears but where is such a sum to be had asked her daughter as she thought how she had already been stripped of everything she could call her own i have nothing in my power i know you have nothing to give but you have only to ask and you will obtain my uncle can refuse you nothing and it is no such mighty matter in the future countess of rossville to borrow a few hundred pounds from a man to whom wealth is an absolute drug here said she placing some paper before her and putting a pen into her hand you have only to write and i will dictate but the pen dropped from gertrude's fingers no i cannot indeed i cannot be guilty of such meanness 
it is too degrading mrs st clair made no attempt to argue or remonstrate but waving her hand with a sort of desperate calmness she merely said i am answered leave me oh mamma give me the paper you shall be obeyed tell me what i must say mrs st clair testified neither joy nor gratitude at this concession but immediately began to dictate the form of a letter to mr adam ramsay which her daughter implicitly followed scarcely conscious of what she wrote in a calmer mood she would have revolted from the duplicity and servility with which every line was fraught but in her present excitement of mind her powers of thinking were suspended and she was the mere passive instrument of her mother's will at length it was finished and as mrs st clair sealed it she looked at her watch it will be just in time for the letter-box and no more we must return to the drawing-room and we can put it into the box as we pass through the hall i cannot return to the company said her daughter i am unfit for society after such a scene as this i cannot dissemble you can at least it is to be hoped exercise some self-control and not suffer yourself to be read and commented upon by every curious eye which chooses to look in your face happily tis one that even crying cannot spoil you have only to wipe away your tears and she applied her own handkerchief and see not a trace of them remains come i insist upon it and gertrude suffered herself to be led to the drawing-room the only person with whom she now felt any companionship was mr lindsay there was a sort of protection in his presence which made her like to be near him some unknown evil hung over her from which it seemed as if he only could deliver her and when he entered the room and approached her she welcomed him with the only look of gladness that had brightened her face that day although mr lindsay was pretty well aware of mrs st clair's real character and saw moreover that she had some strong motive for wishing to mislead him still her words had made some little impression upon him he gave her full credit for her anxiety to detach her daughter from colonel delmore but he was somewhat sceptical as to her sincerity in wishing to bestow her upon him he saw that gertrude loved with all the delusion of romance and like many a young enthusiast had mistaken her imagination for her mind and to have saved her from the fatal consequences of such infatuation he would have made any sacrifice but his nature was too noble to join in any stratagem with these feelings he drew near gertrude but mrs st clair had contrived to get herself and her daughter so built in by lady betty her little table her large basket and her fat dog that it was impossible to engage in a separate conversation he could only talk to her therefore as he leant on the back of her chair of common topics but that he did in a manner to render even these amusing and instructive without being either satirical or pedantic for he possessed an accurate knowledge of most subjects of science and literature and like all really well-informed people 
he threw out ideas and information without the slightest design of instructing others or displaying his own acquirements insensibly gertrude became interested in his conversation and did not observe the entrance of the rest of the gentlemen till she heard mr delmore say in answer to a question from one of the voters certainly we may rely upon frederick indeed he will probably return to britain in the course of a very few months it was quite unexpected i believe his having to accompany the regiment as it was at one time settled that colonel brooks was to take the command and i have never heard it explained why he devolved it upon my brother but i understand he is to follow immediately and then unquestionably frederick will get leave so we may reckon upon him confidently at the first mention of colonel delmore's name gertrude had ceased to be conscious of anything else and as his brother went on she scarcely dared to breathe lest she should lose a syllable of a subject so interesting her very soul seemed to hang upon his words insignificant as they were and when he ended a deep flush of joy overspread her countenance and lighted up her eyes he will come then to clear himself from all unjust suspicions thought she and as the transporting thought rushed upon her mind she raised her eyes beaming with delight to lindsay but they met his fixed upon her with an expression so grave so uncongenial with her own as instantly made her feel how little his sentiments were in unison with her own and a slight shade of displeasure crossed her face as she turned it away he said nothing but left his station which was soon taken by mr delmore to whose insipid verbiage she listened with sustained interest in hopes of hearing the subject renewed but nothing more was said mr lindsay had disappeared and the evening wore away in a dull tedious manner End of section 52